So the Atlantic Journal did an article on social media and on phones. And one of the parts of the article, they interviewed a girl. Her name's Casey. She's from New Jersey, 14 years old. And and they, they talked to her about her experience as a teenager with phones, social media, things like that. But to put it in perspective so you can think through what our generation looks like, Casey had her first computer. Now, it was a toy computer, but her first computer with a screen when she was 18 months old. She had her first cell phone when she was in second grade. Now, I know, you know, I, I have people ask me all the time, like, what, what, at what age should we get our teenager or our child a cell phone? I, I can't answer that question. That's, that's a family question. Um, you know, if you have parents, families that work, mom and dad both works outside of the home, you might get a phone earlier than a family that doesn't do that. I mean, that's, those are family things, but I don't think it's absolutely crazy that, a, that we have second graders that have phones because I have two elementary schoolers and I see elementary school kids that do have cell phones. So I don't think, I don't think this girl, Casey, is just outside of what is normal in our society. I'm not saying good or bad, but she may be a little bit early, but I think that's, that's somewhat becoming more common. Here's something, though, that she said about her life. She said, I bring my iPhone everywhere. I have to be holding it. It's like OCD. I have to have it with me, and I check it a lot. It's not like I want to go on Facebook or I don't. I just go on it. I'm like forced to. I don't know why. Facebook takes up my whole life. This is dating how long ago this was because no teenagers are on Facebook anymore, but you can put Snapchat, Instagram, anything into the, into the quote. Facebook takes up my whole life. If I'm not watching TV, I'm on my phone. If I'm not on my phone, I'm on my computer. If I'm not doing any of those things, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I don't put down my phone, and it makes me wish that I did. It's addicting. Then they asked her about some of her friendships and relationships, and she said this. A friend wasn't in the group chat, so we stopped being friends with her. Not because we didn't like her, but we just weren't in contact with her. That friend has a smartphone now, so that's what gets her in. We always loved her, and she was always our good friend, but she was excluded, and she knew it too because she didn't have an iPhone. Now, that may not be your experience or your teenager's experience, but I would bet that on Wednesday night when I read through those quotes, if it is not your teenager's experience, they will be extremely familiar with it because of some friends who have had that experience. I think that is extremely normative for the world in in which teenagers live. So what I want us to know before we jump into the scripture here in a minute is this, to set the stage, this is not going to be for the next three weeks like a phones are bad series. It's not going to be a social media is evil series. Phones and social media are fantastic. I mean, the other day, a couple weeks ago, I was in Arlington, Texas, getting ready for a, a conference that I was a part of. I was in my hotel And when I had packed up to leave, I realized I put my jeans into my suitcase, and I realized when I come back home, I'm not going to have any clean jeans because the last of my jeans are in this in the suitcase. And I started thinking through, thinking, man, I need to get some new jeans. I'm just I'm running out. So, in a hotel in Arlington, while I was walking from my hotel room over to the convention center, on my phone, I pulled up an app, found some jeans that were under twenty-five dollars that were in my size and the color that I picked, and I ordered them while I was walking to have them shipped to my house. I love that. I mean, I love that. I mean, 
when, when, I was, when I was a teenager, in order to get jeans, I had to drive over to the mall, go into the mall, go into a store, and I didn't have many options. You know, there was two or three stores, and I could find a cheap pair of jeans depending on those three stores, and if I didn't like them, I had to drive over to another store. You know, the amount of time that took. I just bought jeans on the fly, bang, 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 and they're being mailed to my house. Love that. I love social media. I have friends from 25 years ago that I went to high school with that I keep up with. When I was a teenager, and people still do this, when I was a teenager, you'd get the Christmas card, and you'd open up the Christmas card from your friends, and they'd have the typed-up letter, and you'd read kind of what happened in their family's life over the past year. And again, some people still do that, but they don't have to because I follow you, my friends from high school, on social media, and I see the pictures of your family, and I see what you're doing. It's like a Christmas card every day. I, mean, I love that. that that's, not, that's not a bad thing at all, I don't think. I was in Louisville a couple of years ago for a, a consulting thing with another church. And I finished about 5 o'clock, and I was headed over to my hotel, and I was thinking, I don't, have, I don't want to sit in the hotel all night long. Um, and so I got on Facebook and searched friends in Louisville. One of the former teenagers um, lived in Louisville, was married, so I sent her a message on uh, Facebook Messenger and had dinner with her and her husband. Got to meet him for the first time. Say, hey, I'm in town. I don't know if you have plans tonight. I'm about to go eat dinner. If you want to meet up, let's do. Got to connect, hear about their story, hear everything that was going on in their life. Those are great things. Those are great tools, but what the devil does, Satan does, is Satan is known for taking great things and perverting them. He takes wonderful things. He takes things like work, which gives us great satisfaction. He perverts them and turns us into workaholics, where it becomes the number one thing. He takes things like getting good grades in school for a teenager. I mean, the Scripture tells us to do everything that we do to the glory of God. So, I mean, we ought to have our teenagers, I mean, engage in school. My kids, I tell them their job is school. They're 11 and 7. So we give them money. This is just our parenting style. I'm not suggesting you do this. We give them money for their grades. When their report card comes out, because I tell them, that's your job. That is what, I want you to do well at it. And so I'll pay you. And uh, if you don't do well, I won't fire you because it won't kick you out of school, but you'll be grounded. It'll be the kind of similar thing. So school and working hard at school is fantastic. But what happens is it becomes an idol for us. And it becomes the thing that we worship, that I have to have this grade or that grade because I have to get to this school or that school. Sports, fantastic thing. Satan takes it and he perverts it and makes it our first priority. God gave us sex, a wonderful thing, a wonderful gift. Satan perverts it and says, hey, it's just as good outside of marriage for which it was created as it is inside marriage. That's not true. And Satan tries to wreck people by perverting things. He takes things like phones, which should be helpful tools to us, and turns us into codependent people with a piece of electronics. He makes it where if we set it down somewhere or lose it, we start to have panic attacks because we can't live without it. He takes social media, which could be a cool thing, and creates in us what we have now termed FOMO, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out. Real things, great things that Satan turns into bad things. You know that there is a phrase that's used in the technology industry called captology. And what captology is, it is the study of app makers and people who are in this business of phones and social media, of how they create apps and how they create programs 
that will literally addict you. It's to say how, how to get people or customers to come to something that they cannot get away from. Here's a quote from a book. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the gentleman's name. Um, I, I can't put consonants and vowels together to say something. But the book's called Hooked, How to Build a Habit-Forming Product. And, and here's what he says. Well, here, here's the definition of captology. A successful app creates a persistent routine or behavioral loop. The app both triggers a need and provides the momentary solution to it. And then here's another quote from the book. He said, feelings of boredom, loneliness, frustration, confusion, and indecisiveness often instigate a slight pain or irritation and prompt an almost instantaneous and often mindless action to quell the negative sensation. Gradually, these bonds submit into a habit as users turn to your product when experiencing certain internal triggers. Does that hit too close to home to some people other than me in here? Like, like I'm reading that going, is that why I just reach down and pick up my phone for no reason? Is that why when I come to a stoplight and my phone's sitting in the console that, that, that I look down to see if, if an alert came up? Uh, subconsciously. I'm not driving around going, I wonder if somebody's gonna say something before I get to the stoplight. I don't even think that. But I come and there's something inside that makes me look at it. There's something that makes, that makes me, and I think it's probably the boredom in those moments, just pull up my phone and look at it. And there's times where I found myself pulling out going, why am I doing this? Or have you done this? You pull it out and you look at it, and that's when you realize you just did it about 15 seconds earlier? Thank you for laughing. It makes me feel much better that I'm not all alone. I'm, I, we all are going to be in AA soon, Apps Anonymous. Um, and we're going to go and we're going to go, I'm Brett Levi, I'm addicted to my phone. And everybody go, hey, Brett. And we'll all pick up our phones and log in that we were there. Uh, it, it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's scary. So here's what we're going to have you do. Talking about social media and phones, and I know you have your phones, go ahead and pull out your phone. And I want you to go to this website right here, http colon slash slash etc. Now, we've never done this before. We're trying out some new technology here. Because we're going we're gonna to take a poll. So etc.ch slash L7MM. I'm not sure if it all has to be capitalized or not, but go ahead and do it that way. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three questions to a poll, and it's going to live update. It'll be anonymous. Your phone number, your name is not going to come up on the screen. But we're going to see, based on our responses, how well we or how much we look like a CNN poll, okay? So we're gonna see how close we are to a couple questions. I'm gonna give you a few seconds to, to get that in there. Is it working? So what do you see when you log on? Waiting for you. Okay, that's, that, that's a good sign. Okay, give you a couple seconds to get there. So etc.ch slash L7MM. Who still needs some more time? Okay. Oh, we understand. This is the over 40 crowd. On Wednesday night when we do this, they're not going to get nearly as long as you're going to get. Tell them they've got like seconds. When I'm done talking, they should be done. But those of us who have to put on our bifocals and hold the phone out a little bit to type it in, and we can't get our thumb quite on the button right, I understand. (laughs) If you have a flip phone, I don't know if this is going to help you. Still need a few more seconds or we got it? 
Okay, let's do the first question and see if we can make this thing work. Do you think your teenager feels addicted to his or her phone? Now, can you vote on it? Okay. Oh, yeah, it's going. Okay, so do you think your teenager feels addicted to his or her phone? We'll give you a few seconds to get those in, we'll, and we'll compare ourselves to the national norm. Oh, now you're getting it all complicated, Gretchen. It's what you think. Do you think, you're, do you think that your teenager feels the addiction? Okay. Do you think your teenager feels the addiction? Okay. So I need a volunteer. You're not, I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. Can I get just, okay. Well, you remember 70%. So 70% said yes, because we'll come back in a second. Here's question number two. Does your teenager, yeah, apparently I can't type well. Do your teenagers feel the need to immediately respond to text, social networking messages, and it looks like we didn't get the rest of the question there, and those type things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she said, not my text, but everyone else's. Does your teenager feel the need to immediately respond to text, social networking messages? Hey, okay, while you're putting this in, this is just a personal question. Like, you keep working on that, but where are my people in here that if you have, because I, I know this doesn't happen to teenagers, but if you have a notification on your phone, who in here are the people that have to clear it before you move any, go forward in your life? Okay, put your hands back down, because now we should all be embarrassed. There's only five thousand. There's going to be a lot more of us. <laughs> Apparently, we need counseling. That's me. I, like, I can't have the alert. I'll spend 20 minutes trying to figure out how to get an alert off my phone. Okay, so you've got our first one. Will you, Brad, will you remember 65%? Okay, last question. How often do you check your phone or device? Every 15 minutes, hourly, several times daily, or once a day? We will have some. We do have teenagers that don't have phones. So on, on Wednesday, there'll be some kid that goes, I don't have a phone. Where's that to vote? All right. Who's going to remember this one for us? Do what? Can I get a volunteer to remember 52%? Who's got it? Okay, you got 50. Okay. Let's go back over to our, our poll, and, I mean to our notes, and see what the actual <clears throat> research says. I'm going to wait till you pull it up before I click. Okay. So what was ours? 50% of teens feel they are addicted to their mobile device. What did we say as parents that we thought they felt? 70, okay? So that's this coming from a common sense media poll. 50%, and what'll be interesting on Wednesday night will be to see what they say. Because what we've determined is we think that they feel the addiction more. I think you're gonna be right. But here's what the, uh, a recent comp poll says. 50% of teenagers feel they're addicted to their mobile devices. But at the end of the day, 50% is probably too much. Here's the next one. 72% of teens feel the need to immediately respond to text, social networking, messages, and other notifications. What were we? 65. So we were pretty close to that. So teenagers say even more so than you thought that they feel it. And then 69% of parents, 78% of teens check the devices at least hourly. What did we say for 15 minutes? 51, 52, so 69 of us hourly. So if you, I don't, I don't remember what the hourly and 
every 15 minutes, but we're probably right on, on target. So what we're discovering is we've got a problem. And, and what we need to understand is this, is our dependence should be fixed on Jesus alone. And that's where we're going this week. We've discovered through just what we feel and stories and statistics that many of us and a lot of our teenagers could use the word dependence and say we are dependent on our phone. We, we subconsciously reach for it when we find ourselves bored. We have to check it every 15 minutes. But what we're going to see in Scripture, throughout Scripture, and we're not going to read, obviously, all of the Scripture today, but what we find as a, as a common thread through Scripture is that the people of God are called to have a dependence on God and God alone. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, that means we follow Jesus and we're dependent on him and him alone. So I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I would love for you to jump into this passage of Scripture with your kids. Now, full disclosure here, the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at is not about social media. Paul did not write at any point in any of his letters, hey, down the road, there's going to be these, this thing called phones, and, and here's how it's going to work. This is a pre-electricity era. We're actually going to read a passage of Scripture where Paul is talking about sex. But I want you to see there's an overarching umbrella here that he leads in this discussion of sex that is going to be our, our, our theme for this week. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. This is not a sex talk. We did that a few series ago. Reason why we're gonna read the whole passage for us today and why we're gonna read the whole passage for us Wednesday night, even though we're gonna come back to the overarching principle of, uh, of addiction is twofold. One, I would love for a teenager to hear what the word says about sex, even when we're not gonna be talking about it in depthly. But two, the picture that Paul paints here for us is something that should uh, help us understand addiction. Now, in Paul's day, it was not uncommon. Uh, in fact, it was very common for pagan people to go to a pagan place of worship and as an act of worship to have sex with a prostitute. So that, that was... I mean, foreign to us, common to them. But at the same time, when you have a sexual ethic, any sexual ethic, whether you are a believer or not, that would go to pay someone to have sex, it shows us the power that sex can have over us. Somebody's willing to leverage their finances in order to have a sexual experience would tend to say that that person has a, an addiction to sex. And so this passage of Scripture is talking about some sexual 
addiction at some point. I mean, not, not entirely. It's not what it's all about. But in some, in, in some cases, people have something in their life, sex that is that powerful, that has control over them, that controls their finances, it controls their worship, it controls everything in their life. And under that, um, that, that is under the umbrella of what Paul says in verse 12. And so verse 12 is really where we're going to camp out. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Paul says in, th- in this situation, listen, you can, you can go have sex with somebody else. You're not, you, you can go down to the, the temple. I mean, everybody's doing it. it. It's common, but it doesn't mean that it's good for you. We've got a lot of things in our life that are lawful that aren't good for you. For me, it's one of my favorite drinks in the world. I've talked about it, I think, before. I love horchata. If you don't know what horchata is, you need to go down to Sierra's. I'm not getting paid for this advertisement for them. And just, just tell them, but tell them, say, Brett sent you. Ask for Vicky. Say, Brett sent me, and he said that your restaurant's incredible, and I need some horchata. And if you don't like it, if you drink it and you don't like it, Josh Schrader will pay for your meal. I mean, I, I would, but I'm poor. So... Uh, I, love, I love it so much that I learned how to make it. it it's, it's rice water. You, it's a lot harder than you think. You have to let w- the water sit in rice overnight and then strain the water and then mix it with, with cinnamon and sugar and things like that. And I, I love it. Discovered we were on a vacation in Mexico, I would have never drank it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have drank something that looked like watery milk. And if they said it's rice water, I would have said, no, thank you. But I had two options at the little place we were eating the rice water horchata, or this purple drink that was made out of flower petals that had been mixed in water. I was like, well, I'll take the lesser of two evils. I'll take the rice water. And I fell in love with it. Incredible. When I made it was when I realized how much sugar goes into it. I don't even know if it's fair to call it rice water as much as it probably should just be called sugar water because it's all sugar and cinnamon. And I love, I, I love it. Is it lawful for me? Absolutely. It's, a, it's lawful for a teenager. You, know, I, you can be under 21 and drink as much of it as you want. It's lawful for me, but is it helpful to me? Jalapeno Ranch from Chewy's, lawful for me. Maybe not helpful for me. There's a lot of things that fall in this category. And I want to suggest to you that had Paul lived in the society in which we live and we started talking about cell phones and social media, Paul might have said, hey, you know what? All things are lawful for you, but they're not always helpful for you. Here's the second thing that he says. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I'll not be dominated by anything. That's a strong word gives you this picture of an invading army coming in and taking over and dominating your economy and your world and your life. Paul says, I'm not, I, don't want, I don't want that kind of feeling. It would be like getting into the octagon with the heavyweight champion of the world and having him throw you down and pin you where you can't move. That's that, that's that feeling of being dominated. And Paul says, I don't want to be dominated by anything. There's an inherent understanding when you read the rest of Paul other than Jesus, because Paul would say very much, I'm a, he actually said, I'm a slave to Christ. I am dominated by Jesus Christ. But what he's saying here is, I don't want to be dominated by anything, even if it's something that is not what we would call evil or bad. I think cell phones and social media and our technology falls under this category. Not bad, helpful, great, we need it. We're not going to say get rid of it. But we have to make sure that we're not being dominated by it. 
But it's not the heavyweight champion of the world that has pinned us down, and we can't live without it. Let me give you this. I'll give you another little quiz here for a second. You, you just answer these in your mind, okay? I want you to count how many things you say yes to, though. Is social media use, use heavily integrated into your daily routine? You're, just, you're, you're answering these questions on your own, rhetorical. There's only going to be six of them. If you can't remember how many yeses you said in six, jot down a tally mark. Do you find yourself spending progressively more time on social media to get the same satisfaction? Here's another way to ask that question. Do you spend more time on social media now than you did three years ago? Because you might have answered that question, no, but more than likely if you said yes to that question, it's because you need it more and more to find the same satisfaction. Question number three, do you rely on social media as a source of excitement or to cope with boredom or loneliness? Okay, okay. Question number four, do you feel a need to use social media and feel edgy or anxious when you cannot? Like if you don't have your phone, you set it aside, can't post. Number five, do attempts to quit or reduce social media use fail? Question number six, does social media cause problems in your life or conflicts with loved ones? So you've got the number in your head. Memorize that. Let me go back real quick. Look at those three, and how do you think your teenager might answer? Okay, and how would your teenager answer these three? Okay. Here's what the psychologist tells us. If you'd answered yes to three or more of those questions, you more than likely have an addiction to social media. Some of you are like going, man. Others of us are going, yeah, I knew I didn't have to take that quiz. I already knew. Our, our, where are our teenagers at? Here, here, here is a telling statistic, not, not a statistic, a telling uh, anecdote that I've, I've seen on multiple different times. Teenagers whose parents have taken their phone away from them and borrow another friend's phone so they can keep their Snapchat streak alive. I'm 42. And from a 42-year-old perspective, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's how important it is to an addict. And what Paul tells us is this. Snapchat isn't necessarily bad. It's not one of the better apps because of what can happen on it. But it, it's neutral. It was created for bad things, but in and of itself, it's neutral. It can be used for good things. But Paul says, I don't want to be dominated by anything other than Jesus alone. And so that's the question that we have to start to ask ourselves and, and ask our teenagers. Not in a, and here, here's a suggestion not do. Go home. Don't go home, take all the phones and go, hey, we're going to have a phone bonfire tonight. We're getting rid of these <laughs> tools of the devil. But, but let's, let's think through how we use it and, and help our teenagers understand, hey, what is your life dominated by? Is your life dominated by social media? Is your life dominated by phones? Or is your life dominated by Jesus? That same question is a good question we've got to have outside of this series. Is your life dominated by grades? by sex, by dating, by relationships, by sports. I mean, 
It's the same principle that Paul says here. These things are lawful, but they're not helpful when Satan gets a hold of them. Dominated by nothing other than Jesus. So let's talk about some things that we can do, okay? Two, two applications I'll share with your teenagers, and one I'm saying is put the phone down. Give you a couple of things of, again, none of us are able to put our phone down. Here, I might have told you all this. A conversation with some youth ministers online that I'm in, or actually, no, it was at, at my metro. And, and they were all talking about how on their trips they don't allow phones. And I said, okay, we do for several reasons. One, it's a teenager's camera. I'm not gonna, I'm, if, if great things are happening, I'm not gonna take their camera away from them that's gonna be the experience for them. I said, two, I wanna, use, I wanna leverage it when they're having a great time to take a picture of it and post it on social media and hashtag it so their friends see it and ask them about it. It gives them an opportunity to share the gospel. Um, we put the yap on. It's got schedules, so when they're a place, and I, I say there's no excuse for you not to be where you're supposed to be, you have a schedule on your phone. I also need it like on mission trips because when I'm at Home Depot and I need to find out what kind of paint to buy, none of my adults will ever answer their phone, so I have to call a teenager and go, hey, go find the adult and ask them what, what color paint I'm supposed to get for them. Well, that's a true story, absolutely true. So I want them to have it. So again, but, the, but in, in boundaries, so I asked these guys and, and they said, well, we don't let them bring it to camp. And I said, I said why? And they said, because it's a distraction. And, I, and I, I'm for that, I agree. I mean, I think it can be, I understand. I'm not saying that they're wrong because there's some great things. But I asked them this. I said, when you go to a conference and you go to Catalyst or you go to Conclave and you go into a session, do you leave your phone in the car? And they went, no. I said, so it's more important for a teenager to hear the word of God at your camp that you're doing than for you to hear what God has to say to you when you're using the church money to send you to a conference. Didn't go over, yeah, it didn't go over real well. They weren't, they weren't real, they weren't real happy. I said, but, but, but it was hypocritical. I said, I'm fine, say that, but don't, don't bring your phone in here because you're gonna miss what God has for you. Now, I let kids bring phones, so I can bring my phone in here. That was it, you know. Uh, put the phone down. Here's some things. A suggestion. I'm gonna give teenagers things to think. Take the phone out of the bedroom. Some people go, that's my alarm clock. You can get an alarm clock for a lot cheaper than you can get a phone. I mean, they're cheap these days. You can even buy an alarm clock in a conference while you're walking on your phone. <laughs> Set limits on when you'll check social media. Say, hey, I'm only, you know, my wife is great at this. My wife's not on social media a whole lot. Like before she goes to bed, she'll kind of look through and see things. She didn't stay on that long. She's really good at this. I'm terrible at it. Set some limits. Here's three. Limit the on-ramps to social media. And this is a thing to suggest. Do, Do you need Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Tumblr, every other one that I don't even know that's coming out? Do we have to have all of those? Or, or maybe if we go, hey, I struggle with this. I don't want to be dominated by it. I'm going to close out all of my accounts. I'm going to keep one to talk with people. And, and if everybody moves off one platform, I'll move to another. But maybe we limit the on-ramps to how many social media places we have. Don't take your phone with your meals, meetings, classes, or appointments. This is for us too. I'm tr- I've tried to get into the habit when I go eat lunch with somebody to leave my phone in the car. And, and there's a part of me that goes, well, what if, what if there's an emergency? Well, then I think, well, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, they all survived through the emergencies. Um, so that, that's an idea to say, hey, I'm a, when I go to the meeting, I'm going to leave it behind. Um, another one, download some apps that will help you. Fight fire with fire. On your way out on the back resource table, I printed off an article from the, the six different apps. I have not checked out any of them. They are not, I'm not giving my stamp of approval. Got it off the internet, but some different apps that do different things from you put in when you want your, your social media shut down and it will lock down your phone so you can't get on from certain times. 
So you can check some of those things out and read through them. But it's just to say, hey, if I've got this addiction, let me put my phone down. Here, here's how crazy it is. There's actually a product called the No Phone. It costs $12. You know what it is? It's a plastic brick. <laughs> Literally. And people are buying it because they realize that they have an addiction to their phone and they can put it in their pocket and they feel better. That is a true story. It's called the No Phone. That's the world that we're living in. So if, we've got to learn to put our phone down, but here's what's, here's what's more important, is we've got to pick something up. And, and here's, I want you to, this is really what we need. We need to spend more time in undistracted prayer. We need to spend more time in the Bible. We need to have some opportunities where we can get away and journal. We need to pick up a book that will challenge us spiritually. But the reason why we don't have time for those things is partly because our phones take up so much of our time. I'll give you one last quote from Charles Chu. He did the research, and he said this. That's this not up there. I'll read you the quote in a second. He said, in the amount of time that the average American spends on social media during a year, they could have read 200 books. He said, here's the simple truth behind reading a lot of books or the Bible. He's not a believer. The, the article put the parent, parenthetical or the Bible. Here's the simple truth behind reading a lot of books. It's not that hard. We have all the time we need. The scary part, the part we all ignore, is that we're too addicted, too weak, and too distracted to know what we all know is important. Wow. Wow. So we put down our phones because of an addiction, because because what Paul says, even though they're not bad, even though they're lawful, they're not helpful always. And we're going to set down our phones because we don't want to be dominated by something other than Jesus Christ. And when we set down those things, we're going to pick up the Word of God. We're going to pick up some time to say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend this time praying. I'm going to read. Maybe you don't read 200 books. Our leadership track, leadership track kids, we asked to read four some of them struggle with that, but if they put their phones down, they could read four. But we're going to do some things that are spiritually minded so that we grow closer to Christ and away from a domination by our phone. One last thing I'll share with you, and I'll give you a few minutes to talk. You know what all these movies have in common? Blade Runner, 2049, out of theaters now. Terminator, my generation, all 12 episodes or, you know, however many movies they made of that, and the TV series. The Matrix, multiple Movies of the Matrix, Alien, Covenant. I watched on the plane going to London the other day. You know what they all have in common? Do what bad acting? Maybe. <laughs> Apologize, Arnold, if you're listening to this. They're all about artificial intelligence that took over the world. The replicants in Blade Runner, what was it, Skynet and Terminator, the machine and matrix. If you watch Alien Covenant, the artificial intelligence is the one that actually find out, I'm a spoiler alert, you find out it takes control of a lot of things. That's not, I didn't give you all of it. Don't, uh, listen, if you're going to watch Alien Covenant, read a book anyway, it's better. But whatever, whatever book you pick is going to be better. So We have all of these movies and these storylines that create, not, not legitimate fear, but the tension in the movie is the fear that technology will dominate us. And we didn't realize that we're already there. 
And it's not Skynet or a monster robot. It's sitting in our pocket. So our dependence should be fixed on Jesus alone. All things are helpful. I mean, all things are lawful, but they're all helpful. And I'm not going to be dominated by anything.